0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Yes, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com where you'll find the audio-only live stream... The links to our simulcasts on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and, of course, links to the podcast, which are available wherever podcasts are found at iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, and, of course, our favorite, Spotify. Go check it out, michaeldukeshow.com. And, of course, also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or... Translator. It's uh, FM Translator. FM. Uh, The Michael Duke Show. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to Thursday. Well, it's a busy day today. Man, we got a lot of stuff going on, so we are getting ready to get into it here. Uh, We're going to uh, be diving into it with some stories. From the headlines, there's some doozies in there, and then we're going to be uh, talking in hour one, uh, getting the full rundown about this uh, about the system, um, about what's happening with the grand jury system here in the state of Alaska. Now we've had a bit of a <clears throat> primer on this from um, uh, from uh, uh, Ben Carpenter, Representative Ben Carpenter. He came on board. And talk to us about this a bit at the end of the year. Got a little bit of an update here not too long ago, but now we're going to go straight to one of the people who are directly involved with trying to expose this and work through this. David Haig is down on the peninsula, and uh, he's going to be joining us here. Oh, in about 12 minutes or so, 12, 15 minutes, we're going to be talking with him about uh, the situation and what, uh, what they're doing, what they've discovered, what's going on, how do we... Fix it? How do we help? What's happening? And so we'll get the full blown, the full meal deal. We're going to get the full blown rundown on what's happening down on the peninsula uh, and across the state with the grand jury systems here with David Haig at about 24 after the hour this morning. Then in hour two, uh, we get a chance to visit with Tom McKay, Representative Tom McKay. Been a while since we talked to him. In fact, I. I think it's been. Um, I don't even think we got a chance to talk to him this last election cycle. So it's been uh, it's been quite a while. Uh, he's been one of the more vocal opponents uh, against the uh, defined benefits plan in the uh, uh, in the House. <clears throat> he's been quoted a couple different times uh, on some of these issues, and so we're going to talk with him and uh, get uh, get his take on that. Get his take on. Uh, Uh, The school issue, uh, the school funding issue and more just kind of a basic rundown of what's happening in the uh, in the legislature from his perspective, Uh, especially now that in the House side anyway, the Republicans have uh, taken control and the more conservative folks seem to have their hand partially, fully, partially, partially fully on the tiller. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. So we're going to see. We're going to we're going to jump in and uh see what uh he has to say in hour two. So that's going to be a big uh it's going to be a big show. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Um and I've been working on a couple guests, but I don't know. It just might it might just be you and me tomorrow, which is I mean doesn't hurt my feelings because Firearms Friday of course is the chance where we get to t- uh, sound off on issues related to the second amendment and take phone calls and do that kind of stuff. And, uh, I'm happy to, I'm happy to, happy to happy to be here and just to talk with you and hang out and do that kind of stuff. All right. Well, let's dive right into uh, some of the headlines that, uh, uh, are out there and what's coming on. Uh, let's start off in the Matt Sue with the, uh, with the strike that is just continuing. And as you read this story here uh, from Alaska's news source at uh, KTUU, um, they, I mean this is this has got into like the he said she said bickering back and forth between, uh, you know, I don't know, the divorcing couple or whatever. Um, but this is uh, on Wednesday, even more drivers and attendants and monitors joined picket lines and formed outside the bus yard after leaving everybody hanging on Tuesday, right? That's when they they jumped in there and pulled the ripcord and away they went. Um, well, even more have now joined the uh, picket lines outside the bus yard. Uh, according to the representative for the Teamsters Union, that they had not yet heard from the employer, the bus company. He said, I'm not aware of any contracts from Durham regarding our ongoing negotiations or contacts, contracts, contacts, uh, regarding our ongoing negotiations since we enacted a labor action, he said. Now, according to the drivers, the monitors, and the attendants at the picket line, they said safety is still their number one priority. Citing that the bus yard still lacks electricity, um, which I'm assuming is for lighting. I I don't think they use deadbolt heaters uh, in the Matsu. It doesn't normally get cold enough, but um, still lacking electricity, broken bus heaters, public address systems that are not installed, and a required monthly safety meeting that didn't occur in either December or January the uh, representative for the union said there's no way for our members to sanitize and clean the buses in between runs most of the cleaning supplies had been bought and procured by our own drivers and attendants and monitors to clean the buses which uh, if true a little shocking because not my job man to provide the, i'll do the cleaning not my job to provide the cleaning supplies for the bus that i'm required to clean uh, if that's the case, I'm, I'm just saying if what they say is true. Um, upon a an updated statement from Durham's parent company, National Express, addressed these safety concerns by stating that pole lights had been utilized to illuminate the yard. Uh, block heaters had been ordered but are hung up due to supply chain problems. And that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, found that the facility is in compliance after a review in October. They didn't address the cleaning thing. I don't know. Maybe that falls under the OSHA headlines. I don't know. It's just like, and then then National went on to say, the list, the number of dates that it says the union ignored requests for negotiation, denied company requests for a federal mediator, and before it, quote-unquote, took a break to review the company's final offer and never came back on January 30th, Monday. So, I mean, again, it, it just sounds like a pair of bickering old whatever, uh, you know, old hands just back and forth. Uh, and, of course, the people that are punished by this, are the people who are still paying the bill, right? Borough taxpayers still having to pay their daily kick and everything else, but now they have to figure out how to get all their kids to school in the meanwhile. I mean, this, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, meanwhile, parents like Carly Garman took to social media to let other parents know that she was available to help families with children attending Denina Elementary. She says, if we can't work together as a community, that we can't be a community. I feel like you need to help your neighbors if there's something as simple as picking up their kids and driving them. I mean, school zone's not that big. Drop-off and pick pickups are already part of her daily routine, as there's currently no bus route where she lives, something she's been trying to change. Despite lines being congested due to an increase in personal vehicle traffic, she said she sides with the Dunham employees. And then there was somebody else that was quoted in the paper the other day that basically said, oh, just fire them all and get it. Man, there's a happy medium in there somewhere. But, I mean, I am glad I don't have my kids in the uh, Matsu School Borough District. And, of course, the big thing is right now I was still waiting for an announcement for the school district to say, well, we'll just open up to remote learning. To give you the option, if you're a working parent, a single parent, or somebody who's got both, where it's just too, you know, you built your life around the fact that the kids are getting picked up by the bus, and now you have to, I mean, why not give them the opportunity for remote learning? You did it when the snow hit, why not do it now? I mean, I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. And here's something I'm sure we'll talk with Tom McKay on. The Senate Education Committee yesterday introduced a bill that would increase the BSA, the base student allocation, by $1,000. Uh, the amount per student is uh, on track uh, for a $6,960. Um, and the thing that would, came out and was said several times by Logie Tobin, uh, Loki Tobin from Anchorage, the Democratic uh, Senate Educational C- Chair, is that this was just the starting point, the beginning of the conversation. She said it several times uh, during the uh, during the discussion on the bill. This is just the beginning of the conversation. We we need more, and of course. All the teachers and the people who got out there and testified. There was a lot of educators and pro NEA stuff and everything else. And there were a few voices that said, "Leave it alone," but uh, most of them were like, "Oh man, thousands way too low. Thousands way too. What we need is uh, eleven 1, hundred ninety-five. No, no, no. We need thirteen forty-eight. Oh no, no. We need. Uh, I mean, it's a significant amount of money. But here's the here's where this the the sweet spot. The sweet spot." That's really not the right phrase. Uh, here's where the smoking gun is, I guess, when it's all said and done. Um, a $1,000 uh, increase to the BSA would mean a projected $257 million increase in the state's budget, according to the legislative finance memo. The governor's proposed budget includes about $2.5 billion for permanent fund dividends. That would be a $3,800 check, $3,860. Lowering that to a $1,300 dividend would pay for the $1,000 BSA increase and the budget deficit and pay off municipal bond debt for almost the entire state, said Burt Stedman, the Senate finance co-chair. Because... I mean, it's 2.5 billion. It's only a 257 million. I mean, only a 257 million dollar increase for the state's budget for the thousand. But no, no, no. We've got to put the the thousand dollar BSA and the budget deficit, and we have to pay off municipal bond debt that 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 municipalities indebted themselves for. We've got to do that, and then that would give them a a thousand dollar dividend. And here is the quote of the day. We're going to have to make a choice. Do we want to teach our kids to cash checks or do we want to teach them to read and write and do arithmetic? And that'll be the fundamentals of the debate because something has to give. (laughs) Because that money is not yours, people. It's theirs. Do you want the welfare? Do you want your children to be learning how to cash welfare checks? I mean, did you not hear the implied welfare in the middle of that word? If we took it from, if we just lowered the dividend to $1,300, if we just took $2,500 out of your pocket, we could do everything we wanted. Don't you care about the children, you useless welfare hacks? That's the subtext of that sentence if I'm not mistaken and I don't believe that I am oh man we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about this but we got to go because David Haig is about to join us we're going to continue with him here in just a moment the Michael Duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio we're going to be back with more Right after this, and David Haig to talk about The Grand Jury. Now you're cooking with gay ass. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Uh, we're in the break right now. I see that... uh, David has been in the green room for a while here, but I don't uh, quite see his video yet, so we'll wait for him to start the video, and then I'll jump in and we'll get him all set up here. While we're waiting for that, let me run over real quick and take a look at the comments um, as to what um, anything you guys have been saying this morning. Um, Matsu, we're drained. It's like our national oil reserves... Uh, Matsu had a school board meeting last night, complete, complete mismanagement of the school district from the school board and the unions and the bus company. <laughs> uh, I still have not got an answer from anyone that I've asked what the heck happened to first student. Has anyone looked into the Teamsters bus contract? I have not no heat on the buses. Um, I have made extensive phone calls about the Durham Teamster poo show. Durham is a bad actor, says Terry. Um, there's no doubt that Durham is two, three on the list of who is two, three, uh, on the list of these issues, but we have to follow the money. Why was Durham awarded the contract? Who's responsible for advocating the contract? Terry said she wasn't able to testify because there was no time left for public testimony. (laughs) Oh, good morning. Um. All right. I just saw David's camera pop on for a second. Uh, let's um, let's go over here and see if we can uh, help him get him situated uh, here. Good morning, David. Are you there?
4: I am. Can you hear me?
3: I can hear you, but I can't see you. Is that the little button there should say, use your camera.
4: Uh, it says you're in the show. Everybody can see and hear you. So I don't know. I'll hit the camera. I hit the camera button and it has a you know it turned red so that now supposedly people can't see me um maybe i need to flip
3: now can you see me no turn the camera back flip the flip it black and don't flip the camera around but flip it from red again let's see let's see what uh it looks like Okay. no it's it's a big black square whenever you do that so it's uh um It's okay. If you want to just, uh, if you just want to stay on the line, I guess we can do it without the actual visual part of it. And I will, uh, I'll build you a guest screen real quick so that we can uh, have you on there. If you want to do that,
4: that would be fine. Yeah. I've never used yard before. So usually we use zoom when I have ever done this type of stuff before so sure
3: sure all right we'll hold the line for a second i'm gonna put you back in the green room so that i can work on that here in the 90 seconds that i have to uh put this all together so uh folks make sure that you like and share the show and you like and follow the show page and uh you know just uh give us a thumbs up a like and a and a and a thing let's uh let's jump into that um, we have got uh, all right, there we go. That's what I wanted right there. I uh, wanted that getting some, I'm getting some uh, I'm just pulling down some assets real quick from the uh, from the uh, interwebs as we get things rolling. uh most importantly, most importantly, again, like and share and follow and do all that kind of stuff. We need to, we need your help. We need your help to get to, 1,000, uh, viewers or subscribers on Facebook, uh, on YouTube. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see here. Nope. That's not what I wanted. That's what I wanted right there. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, put that right there and, uh, let's do this. Uh, why is it doing that? Okay. All right. Well, we'll, let me, uh, do that. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to jump into it here in just a second. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Make sure that, uh, you, uh, tell your friends as well and get them to support us here on the program and we will get, Oh, look at that. Get it going on. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to it. Common Sense Radio, The Michael Duke Show. Here we go. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in and being part of it with us today. It is the Michael Duke Show, and uh, Thursday edition of the program. And baby, are we ready uh, for, well, what we got going on? There's a lot of stuff happening. Let's uh, jump into this, though, and get started. Uh, We're going to be talking here in just a hot second with David Hegg, and he's going to be discussing with us The Alaskan Grand Jury and what's happening exactly with I mean, what's what's going on? What's uh, what's going on with this? What is the story with grand juries in Alaska? Let's uh, let's jump on over to the uh, let's jump on over to uh, the green room here and pull David back up with us here this morning and see what he has to say. Uh, Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for me on. Hey, thanks for coming on this morning and being part of it. Let's uh let's talk uh, you know, first and foremost, we've had a little bit of a background check on this from um uh Ben Carpenter who kind of first informed us that there was a problem going on down in the Kenai there specifically, but this is a, obviously a problem that affects the whole state. So we need to you know, we need to uh we need to get some some lowdown on this, but Let's start from the very beginning, David. Tell us what's happening uh, in you know, just I guess just start from the very beginning of what the process is and what's going on and what led you into this fight, this fight or battle uh, uh, or whatever. let's let's talk there.
4: Okay. Uh, well, back in about 2007, evidence cropped up that uh, the only judge investigator in this state, uh was falsifying investigations so judges who should have been removed were not and were left on the bench and you know as i like to put it ruling over we the people so that was in 2007 uh we me and some other folks uh Tried to get rid of her. We filed some, uh, you know, complaints with the, oh, judicial council, the uh, bar association, ombudsman, Department of Law. Nothing, nothing. Nobody investigated. Nobody did anything. So, uh, as time went on, we kept we kept documenting. You know, more and more people kind of came up with evidence that she wasn't doing her job. In other words, judges were remaining on the bench that should have been removed.
3: You're talking about she being the ju- the judge, the investigator for the judicial system who is supposed to keep a watchdog on it.
4: Is that right, David? Correct. And okay. I don't know. Am I allowed to say her name, or we're not?
3: Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it,
4: it, um, yeah and her name. Yeah. Her name's Marla Greenstein. And uh, she's the executive director of the Alaska Commission on Judicial Conduct. Uh, She's still there. She's still the only judge investigator, and she's done about 8000 judge investigations. So uh, she's pretty critical in the the big scheme of things. Um, We fast forward to 2018, which is, you know, a decade later. And some folks said, hey. Grand juries are supposed to look into things like this where there's wrongdoing by government officials, but no one will investigate them, maybe because they're, you know, in a, a high-level position or or for one reason or another. Grand juries, once they're formed, they usually just indict people based on investigations by law enforcement. But their most important duty, which they rarely exercise, is that on their own. They can decide to investigate and they can kick the prosecutors out of the room. They can then issue subpoenas and and do things. So in 2018, we started making a push to try to have grand juries investigate and we were successful. We ended up having six grand juries over the next four years start investigating Marla Greenstein and the evidence we Um, the problem was, is every time the grand juries would start investigating judges, the judges would soon find out about it. And a judge would come in and order the grand juries to stop investigating. And they were usually joined by, uh, who's now our, our deputy attorney general, a guy named John Skidmore. So in most of these instances, it was a combined effort effort of, a of at least one or two judges. And who's now our deputy attorney general to stop, stop the grand juries. The problem with this is article one, section eight of Alaska's constitution says specifically this, the power of grand juries to investigate and make recommendations concerning the public welfare or safety shall never be suspended. And so we started going to our legislators. Ben Carpenter was one. Peter Machicchi, Senator Machicchi, when he was in the Senate, was another. And we looked into it and we started going to the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly. They had their legal department. Look, they said this is blatantly unconstitutional um, to have these grand juries being stopped.
3: Right. By the by the same body that they are currently investigating or uh, in, in an even in a tangential way. Right.
4: Correct. Yeah. And and so here on the Kenai, and remember, this affects every single citizen, in the whole state, because whether you go, you know, if you've complained about a judge in Utyavik, this Marla Greenstein's the one that investigates. So you understand it ain't just a Kenai Peninsula problem. It's a statewide problem right. with every judge. So. Um, so anyway, we. Got together a bunch of folks and started protesting at the Kenai courthouse. Uh, at times, we'd have 70, 80 people at a time out there with signs. And for three months, we did that and nothing happened. They wouldn't let a grand jury go forward. And then another another grand jury, you know, i seen the protesters has started investigating again. And now I think it was the, the seventh grand jury got stopped. Um, and it was Judge Jennifer Wells here in Kenai that stopped it. I'm not positive on that one, whether John Skidmore was involved, but it was Judge Jennifer Wells. And so we uh, we said, hey, this is enough. We're now going to go into the courthouse, sit down, and we're going to not leave the inside of the courthouse until the grand jury is allowed. As soon as we told Representative Carpenter that, he informed the governor and the Department of Law, and they caved in. They they formed. Uh, a grand jury, what's called a special grand jury in, uh, let me look here, June of 2022. So last summer, they formed a special grand jury that just had one duty, and that was to look into evidence of judicial corruption in the state of Alaska, primarily this Marla Greenstein. But, you know, um, so we kind of won the day. And so now for the last eight months this grand jury has been doing nothing but investigating and the one of the first things they did uh they brought me in to testify and i told them i said hey you're these state attorneys in here advising you they can't be here because part of the corrupt the evidence we have implicates the alaska department of law in stopping previous grand juries from investigating and Tampering with the jury is a class C felony. So, so I, I asked them that they uh, get rid of the state attorneys. They did private counsel. So now this grand jury has private attorneys advising them in their investigation. Um, the grand jury then you know, investigated for the first few months, then they subpoenaed Marla Greenstein, the judge investigator to come in immediately. The Alaska Supreme Court came out and changed the rules, stripping the grand jury of their power to investigate, recommend, and indict public officials. And so we now have the Alaska Supreme Court coming in and unconstitutionally stopping the grand jury from being able to do what they've been uh, constitutionally authorized to do since statehood. Right. I mean, it's pretty clear in the
3: Constitution that— you can't, you, the judiciary, do not have the authority to strip out something that's constitutional on your own. Only the people could do that by a vote of the people. That's part of the separation of powers. That's pretty blatant, Uh, uh, uh you know, just to say you we, were arbitrarily just going to take out your ability to indict public officials. What? That's that's not how it
4: works. Yeah, well, and Michael, it gets far worse than that. Um some folks went in and tried to figure out how the Alaska Supreme court did this without being caught or, or, you know, somebody alerted or whatever. And we ended up finding a memorandum from the Alaska Supreme court rules attorney, uh, a lady named Stacy Steinberg. And in a memorandum dated November 22nd, 2022, um, they document, that they bypassed the 13 member rules committee the la- i didn't know that there's a rules committee with the supreme court when the, when rule the criminal rules and the rules for the grand jury are changed there's a a uh, a panel that is supposed to write the rules and then the supreme court is just supposed to pass or or not pass the rule change the supreme court on their own wrote the rule bypassed their own 13 member committee. But right before they passed it, they they notified the committee that they were going to do this. And remember, there's 13 members. They notified the committee so late in the game, only three of the 13 members had a chance to respond. And two of the 13 members, according to this memo, said, quote, they expressed concern that the rule changes were important and serious changes of a constitutional nature and should not be rushed through. And that they thought it would be better to discuss the proposal in a committee meeting rather than by email. Right. And the unbelievable thing is there was a full committee meeting scheduled for December 16th, and the Supreme Court went ahead and passed the rule rule change before that committee meeting with an effective date of December 1st, and the reason for that is in the memorandum also it says we did this so the grand jury procedures can be used right away and remember that the grand jury in kenai had just subpoenaed the only judge investigator for 33 years and the supreme court changed the rules to strip the power of the grand jury with you know and bypass their own rules committee so that's To me, that's very disturbing. And to a lot of other folks, it's pretty disturbing.
3: Well, it's a bypassing of the standard process. And we're not talking about a little change like, uh, you know, calendar dates or something else to the rules or or anything like that. We're talking about a change again, as the as the committee member said, of a constitutional nature that's supposed to go through a process and a committee process and have, you know, input uh, from others but instead the supreme court itself just wrote the rule and passed it that's edict from on high that is i mean that is a complete and total abrogation of the process
4: yeah well and and we you know we I talked to my legislators I talked to the governor's office the governor's office governor's office says that they have no authority to do anything about this the legislature at least the legislators I talked to said they could try to do something through legislation, but it may take years and it may not ever happen because of some legislators um, are involved in what is going on. And I'll and I'll just give you one example here. Is that Marla Greenstein, the judge investigator's and attorney, and we filed bar complaints against her for what she had done the bar association didn't investigate so we went to the board of governors of the bar association during one of their i think they have like biennial meetings or maybe it's quarterly meetings and we gave the evidence to the the uh, board of governors of the bar association and they didn't ask one question they never investigated and the president of the Bar Association at that point in time was a guy named Matthew Klayman. And at, you know, prior to uh, this last election, Matthew Klayman was chair of the House Judiciary Committee. And any legislation that would try to rein in Marla Greenstein and the judges and the judge investigator would have had to go through his hands. I believe now he ran for and, and, you he's know, was
3: the, he is now the Senate judiciary chair. He's a Senator and he is the chair of the Senate judiciary.
4: So he's in the, so I didn't know that. Yeah. So here, here we have one of the exact people who covered, who I believe covered up in the past now as a gatekeeper to legislation. So we're, we, the people are sitting here with no real tools to, do anything other than we have a very, very brave grand jury still operating. They're going to still be going for another couple months. They'll now be investigating for about 10 months and maybe a little longer. And and I, uh, you know, I've been in contact with their 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 special prosecutor. Um, That's the independent counsel that they hired. And I proposed this to him, I said, hey, This is wrong. And he I will tell you this. um, Folks have now been signing letters calling that all five Supreme Court justices be impeached. And I don't know if you've seen that, but we've now I think three or four hundred people that have signed. We're trying to get all this down to the legislature because they're the ones that can impeach the judges. Uh, But this prosecutor looked at all those letters and he compared it to this memorandum I talked about. And his exact words was, this is explosive.
3: Right. Uh, David, hold the hold the line here, David. I'm sorry. I'm up against the uh, break, and I want to continue. I want to ask some deeper questions on this. We're going to continue. David Haig is our guest, Alaskan Grand Juries. We're going to talk uh, with him here in just a moment, and we'll be uh, discussing with him uh, some of the solutions and where we can go from here. That's directly ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes on Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Okay, we're in the break right now. David Haig uh, continues with us. David, could you go just in for um um yeah, and then Senator Rob Myers just said in the chat room any impeachment would start in the Senate Judiciary Committee, which of course is headed um at uh which is headed at uh um yeah, okay. Um all right. Uh so get, let's go a little bit deeper here. Um, let's get, let's get into this and discuss, um, exactly what this Marla Greenstein, what was the, what was the initial complaint, I guess, is what I think somebody just asked that in the chat room. What, what was the point? What did, what was the actual initial complaint? We found other things along the road, but what was the initial complaint against Marla, uh,
4: uh, Greenstein there? Um, it was complained that a uh, complaint was filed against a judge that evidence in her possession disappeared and during this time she was spending ex parte time with the main witness in a trial and so a complaint was made against a judge that was she was the judge was eating with the main witness and riding around with witness and so this complaint went to marla greenstein marla greenstein said okay i'll look into this we need some witnesses so uh four witnesses were provided to marla greenstein that seen the judge and the you know the trial witness running around together having meals whatever and so marla after about a year she exonerated the judge and in the exoneration she said that she contacted all the witnesses and none of them seen anything and so she she said the judge is going to remain on the bench you know not going to be sanctioned well uh we we went to those witnesses and all four of them swore up that they had never been contacted by marla greenstein and and in fact had seen the judge riding around with the trial witness and having meals with them. So so that's the start. That's just the start of what happened with Marla. When that occurred, I took those affidavits and Marla's report and I gave it to the Bar Association. I said, here's some evidence that an attorney in your state falsified an official investigation to cover up for a judge. So in a bar complaint, Marla is required to respond. Well, she doesn't have to respond, but if she doesn't, it generally means that the complaints taken is well founded. So anyway, Marla responded. And in a certified response and I talked to attorneys, and they said certified is the same as under penalty perjury, because you either say under penalty of perjury, Or you certify or you affirm it all means the same thing but anyway in a written document marla greenstein says well i didn't just contact those witnesses i also contacted the attorneys or an attorney in the case and so uh one thing led to another that attorney was deposed under oath by the state of alaska the department of law and that attorney under oath says Marla Greenstein never contacted me either. And so the implication is, is that Marla, the original complaint, I believe, was valid against Marla Greenstein. And then a complaint was filed with the bar and then to double down or to try to you know, continue the cover up, she wanted to find someone that would back her up, that she had contacted him during this you know, investigation of this trial judge. And so she picked one of the trial attorneys and he even swore under oath that she'd never contacted him. And so that's the beginning of what happened. And that's the evidence. And, and some people say, well, it's no big deal, you know, whatever. But you have to remember that since 1989, she's been our only judge investigator and all 8000 judge investigations have been conducted by her. And so you would like to believe that she's above board and doing the right thing, but that is, that is where, you know, what the evidence is. And I'll have everybody know that a, a, a judge certified the evidence. All, everything that was done, a judge named Stephanie Joannidis, she's now retired. But all this evidence is on a website if you want to look at it. That was all the documentation and stuff. And that website's uh, alaskastateofcorruption.com. Um, so anyway, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, I think it does.
3: And I think it gives us a little bit more backstory on that that this is not just, I mean, this is like a web of lies that just keeps, you know the the, the answer to their web of lies is to lie some more. and uh, and I think that gives us a little deeper picture on this uh, and gives us uh, uh, gives us some information. Uh, okay,, uh, we're coming up on it here. We're 10 seconds out, David. There's the ding reminding us that we're about to jump back on the radio. Hold the line for a second. Folks, like and share, like and follow the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free Thicket radio. All right, we're continuing now. David Haig is our guest um, uh, on Alaska grand juries. Uh, he's been uh, part of this and following this corruption that's been going on in the state in disempowering the grand juries. We just got a little bit of a uh, little bit of a further backstory on uh, the original complaint uh, against this judicial investigator, and uh, oof, man, you'll have to go back and listen to the podcast on that to get the full story, but. Uh, it definitely uh, begs the question of what the heck is going on inside the judicial system in the state of Alaska. Uh, we've got a, a, a whole case of a professional basically fixer making stuff go away for the last 33 years, and uh, and that's problematic. Uh, David continues with us now here. we got about eight minutes or so. But, uh, David, you left off before we went to break talking about how The uh, the governor's office said that they're powerless because it's a separate branch of government. The legislature, some of your legislators said, well, we could put legislation in uh, and we could we could do that. There could be an impeachment of all the Supreme Court judges, which then uh, Senator Rob Meyer points out would have to start in the, the impeachment would have to start in the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is now chaired by Matt Clayman. The same guy who was the head of the Bar Association when you filed bar complaints. I mean, this is like an intricate spider's web of just trickery. Um, And the last comment you said was that you were speaking with a special prosecutor in the current grand jury that is investigating. And he said that this uh, potential for impeachment is explosive. But what does it mean? If Matt Clayman is the stumbling block into this, uh, getting any kind of impeachment proceedings going on against the Supreme Court, I mean, it. Yes, it's explosive, but what is it? How do we fix it? What's going on here? What's the next step?
4: Well, that's that's a good question. If anybody has an answer, let me know. One thing that we're doing, and I'll try to go over this kind of quickly, is we're. Uh, I because the sit-in the last time worked. I proposed a sit-in to simply. Have the Supreme Court rescind their suspension of grand jury powers, and I am proposing a sit in or we are we're going to do a sit in on March fifteenth starting at eight a m at every courthouse around the state that people are willing to go into and just sit down on the floor and say, "We're here until our the restrictions on the grand juries are removed, and the grand juries can investigate what they want to, indict who they want to, and write a recommendation that we the people get to hear without being edited by the Supreme Court. Right now, the Supreme Court rule change says they get to uh, either you know, put a gag order on this, on the grand jury so we'll never hear. The grand juries are now barred from indicting people. That's one of the most basic rights of a grand jury is to indict. The Supreme Court said no more indicting by a grand jury that investigates. And so we're gonna do this sit-in we're also going to various uh, entities like the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly, the Mat-Su Borough Assembly, the Anchorage, uh, uh, Anchorage Assembly to ask for resolutions protesting what the Supreme Court has done. Um, February 7th, folks will be at the Anchorage Assembly asking for that. Also on February 7th is the the Matsu Borough Assembly, I'm gonna make a phone presentation there asking for it. Uh, in person on the same day, February 7th, I'm gonna be at the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly uh, asking for that. Um, later on February 21st, I'll do the formal presentation to the Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly. But uh, other than that, we, we have a website that has forms on it that people can sign that electronically get distributed to the legislators. And that website is Alaska grand Jurors association.org. So people can go to that website and sign a document protesting what's going on, and it will automatically get disseminated to the legislators and actually to the special prosecutor. And so you know, if you've got a suggestion on what else we should be doing, I'm all ears, but that's what we're What we're doing right now, unless somebody comes up with a better idea.
3: Well, and I guess, you know, because we saw yesterday that the retiring uh, the retiring uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court made comments to the legislature yesterday as he retired and stepped down. And one of the things that he commented on is that uh, basically we're not going to give in to basically uh, hue and cry from an unhappy public. That uh, they're just getting their opinions off the Internet and, uh, you know, then pe- and, and they're just going to do what they're going to do. But we're going to we're not going to pay attention to any of it. it's like the plebs are. it makes no difference what the plebes are saying. We're going to do what we're going to do. So I guess my big question is, what are the are there legal avenues? Because if the Supreme Court of the state is complicit, which it, from the story that you've told, it sounds like there's some questionable stuff going on all the way up to the Supreme Court of the state of Alaska is there a legal avenue that can go on from here is there something that could be brought before the u.s federal court the u.s supreme court to ask these questions and fix it or is it so separated that we've got
4: nothing that we can do we we've had some fairly smart attorneys we've asked that of the general consensus is is that the u.s supreme court cannot intervene in violations of state constitution. And because our grand jury powers come from our state constitution, the U.S. courts are basically don't have jurisdiction. And I, I know that sounds crazy, but that's sorta of where we're at right now.
3: So then the question becomes do you do you sue the do you sue the <laughs> justices individually? Do you I mean this is uh, you know, talk about being made to feel small and powerless in that kind of situation. I mean, if if everything lays out the way that you said, and I've, I see I've gone over to your website, I see you've got all the documentation and everything else uh, on your website, uh, I want to, I mean, I want to know more about this. And I want to know, I want to, I want to know the names and figure out who's doing this and see the memos that they did this specifically in the dead of night without the use of the committee and everything else. I mean, this is, if this is the case, this is some of the most blatant corruption I've seen since I've been covering Alaskan politics these last 24 years. Uh, that's some, it's some interesting stuff. So you're now just looking to crowdsource some ideas to try and figure out how to move on from here. Correct.
4: And there's some good people, uh, that have followed through, that have been following this for, for a long time. My business attorney is one. Without him, I would have probably went crazy long ago. But he said, This is gonna go on and it's gonna get worse. And sleeping giant wakes up. And I asked him, and this was a decade ago, and I said, Who's this? What's the sleeping giant? And he said it's the public. And so you're airing this is waking up the sleeping giant. And if enough people get upset we will get something done. You know I mean? Matt Clayman might be able to stop a a bill or whatever, but if there's a.
3: Oops. I think I lost you, David. Um, All right. Uh, It looks like I have lost David's connection for a second. Folks, we're out of time anyway. Again, alaskagrandjuryrights.com if you want to go figure out what's going on over there. alaskagrandjuryrights.com. David Haig has been our guest. Hold on the line, David. The Michael Duke show continues in just a moment. Tom McKay up next, right here. Are you still with me, David? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. you lied. Site
4: Right. That where the forums are, the forums aren't on the, there's two different websites and the one has grand jury rights, but the most important website right now is the alaska grand jurors association.org.org that one has the forms that audit that you can fill out online that automatically get disseminated so i believe that's important for that you know website to get uh visited
3: sure no i'm i'm uh, here i'll put i'll put both of them in there the one site tells your story, the other site allows you to sign the, petition. the memorandum that you're
4: talking about. It's on the Alaska State of Corruption website. And I think what you click on, I think it's it's called SCO for Supreme Court Order 1993 History. So if you right. want to see the memorandum, you can go to SCO nineteen ninety-three history on the website Alaska State of Corruption.
3: Yeah. Uh the uh, the the Alaska Grandjuryrights.com goes to the same website. That's why I said that. But it's because it's all about Alaska grand juries. Uh, but I could see here formal review. I could see all the different pieces. I posted both links in the chat room for uh, uh, for folks to go out there and take a look at it. This is uh, this is some amazing stuff, and uh, we're going to be starting to follow this a little uh, a little more closely. And we're going to uh start talking about it and uh see if we can again, sunlight is the bis- is the best disinfectant, and we're gonna see if we can uh get some more information out there to talk about it. So um, David, I, I appreciate you coming on board. Thank you very much. And uh keep us in the loop. You've got my email. If something comes up or something changes, let me know and we'll uh we'll see if we can figure it out.
4: Yeah. Well, I sure appreciate me on and if you have any or you know sometime you'd want somebody on you know feel free to give me a call too so thank you very much
3: all right david Haig, thank you so much for coming on board we appreciate you being part of it today thanks for uh joining us uh, on the michael duke show um all right well this is <clears throat> this is troubling right i mean this whole thing is just uh yeah that's definitely uh, a very, very troubling situation. Uh, I am not uh, I'm not a happy man when it comes to that. We'll have to uh, see what happens here. Uh, David uh, Haig, our guest, thank you David, for uh, coming on board and uh, and being part of it. Uh, all right, we're waiting for Tom McKay who's going to be joining us in just a few moments uh, to discuss this stuff. but what the actual hell? How in the world can a uh, – well, I mean, I guess it's the Supreme Court of the state of Alaska, and since you can't appeal it to any other federal court because it's a state issue, I mean, that's troubling. That's very, very troubling. Uh, When they can just arbitrarily change a rule that is very obviously – I mean, it's very the, – the he read the constitutional provision. It just said it's – you're not supposed to impede the grand jury at all. And only after they started to subpoena the single judicial investigator uh, that's supposed to investigate judicial corruption in the state, when they go to subpoena her and they immediately change the rules, oh, there's all kinds of red flags on the play. All kinds of red flags on that play. Uh. It's a hot, 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 hot mess. Um, Yeah, we're going to, uh, yeah, uh, uh, just a bit troubling, just a bit troubling. And by bit, I mean like the Titanic is just a bit of a small boat, right? Oof. Damn. All right. Um, All <clears> right. <throat> Alabama called. They want their corruption back, said Brian. <laughs> That's the case. I say Representative Tom McKay is in the green room. And uh, so we might as well go over there to him and get things uh, set up and squared away for uh, our discussion in the coming hour. Let's uh, jump over to him and see what uh, he has to say this morning. And uh, we'll get started. Good morning, Representative. How are you? He says he can't hear me. Um, you may need to check your settings there to make sure that Streamyard is using your uh, your uh, your speakers. Um, he says he still can't hear me. Uh, let me go over here to the private chat window. Uh, check your sp- uh, sound settings sound settings uh, to see if you have speaker selected all right we're doing troubleshooting on the interwebs um, I just tried that there we'll see what uh, we'll see what that is uh, going on there um, see if he can get that. Squared away here real quick. Um okay. Try that. Um he's working on his stuff there for a quick second. We will try uh we will try see if we can reconnect with Tom here in just a hot moment. Oh, you heard noise from you can hear him click his phone. All right, let's try it again. Uh well I can hear him. Tom, can you hear me? Yeah, see, I can hear him. He can't hear me. That's the problem. Um, uh, let's go over here. Uh, well, I, you know what I can do? I can do this. Watch this. Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, I can hear you, Tom. Can you hear us? That's the question. Well, we're about to jump in. Um, um, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to get, uh, we're going to have to go here. We're coming up on it. So we're going to have to let Tom figure this out here for just a second. We'll be right back. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio, uh, share the show, like the show.
1: Fathom
0: it The Michael Dukes Show streaming live across the world.
3: Live around the world on the internet. It is the Michael Duke Show, uh, and of course live uh, on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com is where you'll find links to the audio only live stream, the podcast, uh, links to Spotify and iTunes and every place else. And of course, broadcasting sta- uh, broadcasting across the state of Alaska. On this, your favorite FM translator and or station. See, I mixed it up there for you. It's all good. This hour of the program being brought to you by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at satellitewest.com where you can stay in connection, whether you're in Kaktovik or Cake or Menchumina or Minto or uh, Tanana versus uh, Tatlanika, wherever it is that you are. You could stay connected by voice, uh, by uh, phone, by text, by email, just surf the Internet, whatever it is. Satellitewest.com is the place to go for that. All right. Uh, We're getting ready to jump into it. Our guest uh, here in Hour 2 is Representative Tom McKay, who is uh, down in Juneau right now. Uh, He's been quoted in the papers lately uh, with a lot of uh, commentary and questions in regards to the Defined Benefits Program which is being proposed uh, by two different people in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, in the legislature. And uh, we're going to get his take on that. And then we're going to talk with him about some of the other things, including the new $1,000 BSA increase that was just introduced and more. And we're just going to kind of get his feel for what how does, how does the legislature feel now that the uh, Republicans are in the majority uh, here in the House of Representatives. So let's go over right now and start our conversation with uh, Representative Tom McKay from South Anchorage. I hope that he can hear me now. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can, Michael. Thank you. Okay, good. All right. I was a little concerned there, but we're all good to go. (laughs) So Tom McKay, uh, our guest uh, now. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming on and uh, being part of this. I appreciate it. Uh, You know, this is a troubling time for a lot of Alaskans who are, uh, you know, not necessarily Republicans, not necessarily Democrats. But are kind of that uh, silent middle of the road majority of you know kind of independent libertarian minded, you know Alaska Independence Party, whatever you want to say. But I would put them firmly in the less government versus more government crowd, which seems to be. I don't know as we should have R's and D's anymore in the government. It should be like, are you a smaller government person or are you a larger government person? And uh, it's, and we're a little concerned. We're a little concerned as to what's happening in state government. Um, so I guess first and foremost, before we jump into the particulars, you know, give us your hot take on how, you know, how is the legislature changed now? I mean, now the Republicans have got the majority in the House. Um, you know, how does that change things for you? What's the tenor and the tone and the, you know, give me the pulse check. Do me a room check here and tell me how things are are like down there in Juneau.
5: Well, as you know, Michael, in the House, we do have a, a rather slim majority uh of conservatives and republicans and uh, it's it's a dramatic difference from last year or the, my last term which happened to be my first term of course where we were in the minority and uh, you know we were kind of blocked at every at every turn uh anything that we wanted to get done so it's a dramatic difference um I, i'm privileged and honored to be chair of house resources this time which is a a, a huge step up for me and um you know we've got some really serious energy problems looking at us uh, here in the state. So uh, I'm glad that I can put my uh, my energy and my experience towards some of these problems. And yeah, so our, our our caucus is a lot more positive. I think we're I think we're gelling together really well. And uh, you know the Senate um, I was quite disappointed in how they organized. So uh, for conservatives. And small government folks, uh, the House maybe uh, maybe the the blocking and uh, you know the the mechanism that can stop bad things from happening.
3: Yeah, no, it's unfortunate because if we had had if you had had a Republican majority in the in the Senate as well, uh, maybe some work could have gotten done if you'd gotten a conservative majority in the Senate instead. Yes, you're, instead, you're right. The House is relegated to more of a blocking action at this point just to try and keep the, the, the mission creep and the size and scope of government down. Um, speaking as a chair of resources, of course, the Biden administration put out that, uh, that surprise report uh, yesterday, uh, or I guess late this, early this morning, uh, with the Willow Project, um, and basically you know, encouraged development, which I guess has got a lot of the environmentalists in a, in a free fall and, uh, and, and in a fit. Uh, but what are your thoughts as chair uh, of resources, uh, house resources on that? I mean, as as we look forward to that uh, kind of expansion.
5: Well, you know, if you if you read the Constitution, uh, our, our Alaska Constitution, the how the resources are, are our Constitution calls for the development of our resources. It doesn't say they should be locked up. And so uh, following that dictate, our committee, you know, will be looking at uh, where can we find new resources to develop? and uh, expand the uh, production in in Alaska to produce more revenue. Um, You know, I I look at it like, there's a lot of people that wanna spend money in Juneau. And uh, I feel like our job is to go find find more resources to develop to uh, provide money for that. Now, uh, I'm really glad that Willow is gonna progress because it is on federal land. And, uh, you know, we need to get get those operations underway. I'm I'm a former drilling engineer from the oil industry and kind of on the tip of the sword, you know, and I, we have to be drilling to uh, to maintain our production levels in the Trans-Alaska pipeline. And if we're not if we're not continually drilling and exploring, then we're not we're not refilling our tank. And. Uh, you know, there comes there come a time when TAPS is uneconomic and uh, I hope that is way far down the road. Uh, we do have, a, uh, there's a group of climate alarmist people in town this week uh, that, that actually want to shut down fossil fuel production in, in Alaska forever. And I kind of, I haven't met with any of them yet. Maybe they they probably don't want to see me, but how did they get down here? You know, they flew an airplane, right? And, uh, you know, it's just Right. I just don't understand their logic at all. Well,
3: that reminds me when it was, I think it was, was it Shell that had the big oil drilling rig that was in the Seattle Harbor on its way to Alaska and a bunch of environmentalists got out there and they protested and they, 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 they blocked it with their kayaks and everything else. And then somebody pointed out that. You know those kayaks are made out of plastic from petroleum, right? I mean, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. It's just it's hysterical to see. Uh did you yeah. you know, and I agree with you. I think it's always good to develop Alaska's resources, but on Monday, um we had Senator Rob Meyer on and he pointed out, you know, is is more oil our fiscal salvation or not? And the problem is what we have in this state is we don't have a revenue problem in this state, Tom. We have That's a right. We have a spending problem now. The spending problem has become so great that it's created a revenue problem. But a revenue problem is not the genesis. It's not the baseline. It's the symptom of the disease, which is un uh, you know unrestrained spending. So if we get and go out and get another Prudhoe Bay or another Willow or Pika or some of these other projects that put more oil back in the pipe, I mean, if we started pumping a million barrels uh, you know a, a, a day or whatever it is. It, it it wouldn't matter because they would spend every dollar that flowed into the treasury anyway, right?
5: <clears throat> well, that's right, uh, Michael. And you know, uh, so it is a double-edged sword. If I go find more oil, uh, they'll spend it. So, so you know, we're, there's a lot of talk about spending cap. Well, the best spending cap that I think ever was invented by man was the statutory PFD, because that that. Yeah. Uh, that puts a throttle on how much uh they can spend and i know that we're probably going to talk about the carbon credits uh pretty soon here you know the the whole carbon uh proposals that have been brought forward and one thing that hasn't been brought up in any of that discussion yet except by me i think is that well where's the money going to go that we make and if that's from natural resources which i guess our trees are natural resources Hey, I think 50% of that should go into permanent fund. Yeah. How about oh, those apples? I, I mean, that's
3: not exactly, you know, I mean, <laughs> as much as I, I mean, I like the governor personally, but his kind of pie in the sky revenue predictions on some of this stuff is, uh, I mean, it's a little fuzzy math, I think would be the term that I would use, but you're right. Uh, if we're using the, 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 uh, carbon, uh, the tree carbon part, not the sequestration, but the other part, and I've forgotten what they call it. But if we're using that, then we are utilizing our resources in the form of our forests and things like that. So it's an argument. I mean, the Constitution says that the that the resources of the state of Alaska should be uh, should be developed to the maximum benefit. That's what it says in the Constitution. The maximum benefit. Now, the question yep. has always been how do the politicians. How do they interpret the def- the definition of maximum benefit? Is the man- maximum benefit of the individual citizens as shareholders in the state, or is it the maximum benefit benefit of the government to be able to spread
5: the wealth and uh, put sp- put that money out? Well, of course, I'm come from the 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 first camp that you described, and you know. Uh, uh, it, I, what I want to assure Alaskans is, is at least my, the committee I'm I'm chair of the House Resources. We're going to do a, our complete review of this. We're going to do our due diligence. We're going to make very sure that this is a a, a sound proposal for Alaska uh, to tie up you know uh, thousands of acres of forest for carbon credits. Uh, you know it, it's a it's kind of a it's a weird market. You know it's a market that's set by the federal government. <clears throat> Right. You know, and it's just sort of this. uh, It's almost like Bitcoin for trees. I'm kind of I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around it, you know.
3: (laughs) It's a it's a question. Uh, And again, uh, you've got the governor out there telling us we're going to have tremendous returns and we could still have everything. We can have our cake and eat it, too. Uh, But unfortunately, we had a discussion on Tuesday about this. Uh, There's a there's a timeline gap in there that uh, that that he seems to have missed, including an 18-month ramp-up period before the first dollar will ever come through the door. And so, I mean, there's definitely some problematic things on this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, uh, you know, take a bite at the apple if we can do sequestration and some of these other things. I mean, you know, if, if we want to take some of that money, great. But the bottom line is it should not harm or slow down resource development of the state because we are basically a land grant state that's where we get our revenues from
5: the problem the problem we've got uh michael and i brought this up i think on the radio a couple years ago but esg is a big problem it's it's like environmental blackmail what they're saying is you have to uh purchase carbon credits in order to do your oil and gas project it's like if you want your kid back you got to pay us the money and uh it's almost like we're held hostage. Like if we want to continue to develop oil and gas resources in Alaska, we have to do this. So I, I don't like being told to do anything, right? I don't like to be held right. hostage. Right. I don't like to be blackmailed. And that's kind of what this feels like. Now, if I, if I may, Michael, one thing that I'm really concerned about, and I think all your listeners and Alaskans, and at least in the rail belt, need to understand is, we we could possibly be facing a gas shortage in Cook Inlet. Now, there's a lot of opinions about this, and there's people. Well, there is a lot of gas left in the Inlet. The question is, is can we get at it? Can we develop it? Right. Uh, some of it is very difficult to to get to, and uh, NSTAR has a long contract for gas right now. Chugach showed me a chart. Chugach Electric showed me a chart where they start to go negative in about five years. So in, in terms of energy years, like they're kind of like dog years, right? Uh, it takes a long time to get energy projects online and five years is not very long at all. And I'm very concerned, you know, when it's 20 below zero in Anchorage for uh, two or three weeks, I don't know about anybody else, but my furnace comes on probably every 15 minutes. Right. No. Yeah. And it it takes gas and electric to run that system. And so I'm very concerned about cooking the gas. Uh, We're going to have meetings with the producers and the utilities. Uh, Everybody I asked down here, well, what's, what's the plan? I just get kind of a blank stare. I get kind of a head shake, like, well, we really don't know. Nobody has a plan. And I said, well, somebody better get a plan.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tom McKay no. is Representative Tom McKay is our guest. Tom, we're up against the break. Hold the line for just a second. Okay. We're going to be back uh, with more and continue this discussion. We're going to start. Uh, we'll move off of resources, <laughs> and we'll start to talk a little bit about some of the other big things in the state, including defined benefits and the base student allocation increase and more. Yes, we will talk more about that fuzzy math. Oh, baby. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with Tom McKay right after these messages.
0: We're broadcasting live through a series of... Tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Okay, in the break right now, Tom McKay, our guest here on the program as we continue uh brian in the chat room asks what i think is a very valid question tom isn't a big part of the gas issue well i'll just put it up on the screen how about that isn't a big part of the gas issue in the cook inlet one of deliverability and not necessarily a lack of gas isn't that what it's about
5: well you know we've been producing gas from cook inlet for 60 years and there are there are but reservoirs down there that have a lot of gas the problem is is can you get to them uh, I have personal knowledge of uh, the the field down by anchor point uh, I worked for bluecrest for over three years they have a big gas field that sits on top of the oil field the, the problem is is it's geometrically impossible to reach from the shore so you'd have to set a platform would be the most economic uh way to get at it. And the problem is, of course, that's right where we all fish for salmon. Right, right. <laughs> all of us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that, you know, in bu- building a platform, getting the permits, getting it set, getting the wells drilled, I mean, that's a 10-year proposition or maybe a little less than that, but we, we may not have the time and the time to to do all that. So uh, I think we just, we just need to be very careful because, there isn't uh, we don't have a lot of time and i think people may maybe they've kicked the can down the road a little bit uh, and uh, you I'm think just very concerned you think i mean the worst part yeah.
3: of this whole scenario is that we have 17 trillion cubic feet of gas on the north slope yes 17 tr- trillion cubic feet of gas on the north slope enough to heat every home in america for decades and yet we have a hard t- now we're worried about 5 years from now the people in South Central and down on the peninsula who use gas will not have any gas. I mean that it's it's frustrating, yes. locking us up, handcuffing and shackling us. Uh, and I had to laugh because somebody said uh, earlier uh, that you know, ironically, that these people who want to lock up the whole thing uh, and stop all private uh, uh, you know uh, petroleum or or you know fossil fuels fly up here in the middle of winter and they forget it's cold apparently, because I mean, how are we supposed, to, this is the same thing as going on in Fairbanks where they want to shut down all the wood stoves because of air quality. Well, let's see, I could have, <clears throat> I could have some smoky days or I could freeze to death. Which would you prefer? You know, Oh, you want me to freeze to death? Okay, good. That's, that's good to know. Uh, but that's, you know, this is a, this is a frustrating time for that for sure.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. It Yes.
3: Um, I, uh, I definitely want to, uh, we'll, we'll have you back on here in the future as we get more into the resource development and we find out more about the carbon, uh, carbon credit program and everything else. I know a lot of people are against the you know, carbon credits for this because it locks certain resources up, but I mean, at this point. I mean, look at what they just did with the Tongas. Look at what they just did with all this other kind of stuff. I mean, if we're not going to be able to do anything with the forests anyway, if you can't thin them, you can't you can't pulp them, you can't cut them down, you can't you know cut and replant. If you can't do any of those things, you might as well get some use out of them. And if you can get money for carbon offsets, then I guess that's great. Carbon offsets—that's what it's called. Carbon offsets, uh, you know, and sequestration sure doesn't hurt my feelings it's an empty big hole in the ground fill it up if that's what you want to do and pay us money good let's do it but i mean we cannot stop we cannot stop developing resources in the state that's the lifeblood of the state
5: that's absolutely correct we're we're a resource state and if we don't develop our resources we're going to turn blue we're going to turn into a big park and uh, there won't be good high paying professional jobs in the private sector uh, I, you know, Rob Myers and I, we almost say the same thing every day, you know, that we can't just live off the permanent fund. Uh, you know, I don't think that's healthy for a for a, a state or a county or a country to just live off, live off interest. You know, to me, you know, man was designed to build stuff and to do right. projects and, to, right. you know, not just to sit on the couch and, you know, take the interest, you know, it's just, To me, it's against human nature to to put those
3: uh, those harnesses on us. Uh, Not to mention the danger of disconnecting the public economy from the private economy, which Rob and I talked about exclusively on Monday. All right. Hold the line here for us, Tom. Uh, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio, like and share, like and share, like and follow. Let's go to it. Representative Tom McKay is our guest this morning. We're talking about the new session. We just finished talking up about resources since he is the chair of House Resources. Uh has uh, ex- experience in the oil and gas industry and kind of gives us some perspective on that. That was some good stuff here in the last segment. But let's move over to something you've been quoted on a lot more frequently lately. <laughs> And that is this discussion of the defined benefits program. Now, Tom, let me preface this whole thing by saying, I was, I was, I was hot and heavy into the defined benefits program debate in 2006. I mean, we covered this extensively on the program. We had experts on from out of state. We had a lot of people on because we were trying to encourage the legislature to do the right thing and to get us get the yoke off of our back. We were almost 13 billion dollars upside down in unfunded liability at that point. Luckily, the cooler heads prevailed. We moved on to a defined contributions tier and it's been working ever since. Um, But it has been the gold ring for many people, especially those on the left and who have ties to unions and others to get back to the uh, to get back to the uh, defined benefits program, which I mean, by the way, we still are seven billion dollars upside down in the previous defined benefits program. We still owe seven billion dollars to that unfunded liability. And now we've got two proposals, one in the House from Andy Josephson, and one in the Senate from Jesse Keel. Now, Josephson says, oh, this is a conservative bill. It only deals with the first responders. And then the next paragraph in the uh, article in the newspaper says, but, you know, yeah, this could spread to everybody else, and that'd be great. I'd love to spread the wealth, Uh, which is just, I mean, you want to talk about the poison pill. Um, Defined benefits, for the most part, there are a few, few exceptions to that rule where you've seen it succeed but we can name company after company gm delta that had to be bailed out by the federal government we've named municipalities i mean i've saw you know when i was served on the borough assembly in fairbanks i saw tons of stuff where they were like you know cities cities were nearly going bankrupt and decided to had to change things um, because of defined benefits programs and yet we're being told not only would these be well I don't know if Joseph said revenue neutral, but Keel said, "Well, this will actually save us money. We'll actually spend less. This will save us money because of efficiencies. And you were quoted as saying, "Whoa there. Give us your take here on the uh, defined benefits programs that are being proposed right now.
5: Well, you know, Michael, I think a lot of they they yearn for the old days. They want it the way it was. Uh, and they they they're very clever. They pick the police and the firemen. Because who could be against the police and the firemen, right? The fact of the matter is, they really want to get all twenty-two or twenty-three thousand state workers in the back into this program, and that way the union can keep control on their membership. Well, and
3: as, this is a, I hate to interrupt you, but Keel's program not only the twenty-three thousand state employees, but also city, municipal, and borough employees. Basically, any state under the
5: state umbrella, government employee, 40,000 people. Yep. And so, you know, are we going to let them, let them get it back into the tent, you know, and uh, there's other options. There's there's defined contribution. There's other things that could be done uh, in this area. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, I've been told that a lot of them rank and file, they, they want the defined contribution program because it, it, they can direct where the investments go and they're if they pass on their family can can uh get the money whereas uh, under defined benefits they cannot there w- the problem is is they're trying to ram this through michael really fast we we're trying to ask a lot of questions have a, a good serious debate that's our job you know we absolutely uh respect and like our, our law enforcement people you know that. Uh, the firemen, we we support them completely, but we want to do what's best for the state and and our folks, you know. Right. And uh, they're trying to ram this through. Yeah, well, and again, it's, it, you know, as you said,
3: the ability to pass on, you know, if you if you have a 401k style defined contribution plan, which the state pays into for you a big amount then you have something that you can, again, will on to your children if you die. If you're defined benefits, uh, you know, does your spouse get it? Mm-hmm. Does your children get it? Mm-hmm. You know, plus the portability. What if you decide to leave the state? You can't. I mean, right. If you've got a defined benefits program, it's a problem. If you've got a defined contribution plan, you can take it with you. Uh, plus, by the way. All the rest of us out here still have to live on a defined contribution plan. Now, some of us don't contribute anything because maybe we can't, but some of us do. Shouldn't they, you know, shouldn't it be, shouldn't they just live like everybody else? Or do we have to give them the gold plated turducken on a plate to say, here's what it is for you. So you'll come work for us.
5: Michael, there's so many ways you can invest nowadays. You've got the, uh, the internet has opened up uh, all these websites that you can go to and you can trade and invest. And, you know, I think people are a lot more sophisticated than the union leadership gives them credit for. And, uh, you know, people know, people can find out, you can get financial advice so easily nowadays. You don't, you, you know, you don't need to be, it's not a black box mystery anymore, right?
3: Right. No. And, and look, that's the thing. I think you hit on it earlier when you said this really is all about one thing. This is about power. This is about putting the unions in charge of the whole defined benefit with a block of 40,000 people uh, in defined benefits and basically shackling and handcuffing the state for the next 60 years. Because we're one of the few states that has that provision in our Constitution. There's only two states that have the provision that basically says any employee who enters into a contract with a state, it's basically – that contract is basically a constitutional provision. You can never change it. I mean, forget about the rule of not binding one legislature over to another. You know, this is – when you sign on the dotted line, you're on the
5: hook. That's why we still owe $7 billion on the first batch. you know, it was just on the news a few days ago. There's eight states that are already uh, on the verge of default because of this problem. But Michael, if I could change the subject, I've got a I've got a committee meeting at okay. eight o'clock. So go ahead. But I got one more one more nugget to tell you about, and you know, it relates to this BSA increase.
3: Sure, let's talk
5: about so that. Ye- so yesterday, in education committee, they gave us a presentation, and part of the presentation was where the COVID money. And I'm going to give you an example. The Anchorage School District got $175 million in COVID money from the three uh, the three acts that were passed by Congress. Then they put up a pie chart that showed approximately 60%, maybe, maybe two-thirds of that money went to salaries and benefits. And I asked the question, I said, wait a minute. I paid my property taxes all through the pandemic, and we fully funded the school budgets from Juneau all through the pandemic, which includes salaries and benefits. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So, my suspicion is they gave raises and bonuses to everybody, and now they got to cover that f- forever because a raise is a recurring expense. Sure. And I there's a full court press down here right now to, to raise the BSA. And I'm concerned that at least the Anchorage School District, they, they've got a, they've got checks they can't cash unless we give them more money. And it's because they gave everybody raises from the COVID money. Well, this again now, I don't know that for sure, but I'm still asking a lot of questions.
3: Oh, you do know that for sure, Tom. I mean because really it's right there, <laughs> it's right there in black and white. I mean this it's reminds right. this reminds <laughs> me of the old phrase, you know, piss poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. The 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 Anchorage School District and is just one of many that have done something like this, but the blatant one is the Anchorage School District. They took this one-time money and instead of applying it to issues that were one-time issues or banking it or doing whatever that they could do to yeah. offset, they offset the largest reoccurring cost in the school district, which was salaries. And then they said, we don't have any money. We're we Just because you had poor planning on how you spent the money after, as you pointed out, you were fully funded – You were funded by the taxpayers. You got your full mill rate. You got everything else. The state gave you the BSA. The state gave you more money on top of the BSA. And you got $174 million from the federal government. Now you're saying, poor, poor, pitiful me? I'm sorry. That's a crisis of your own making.
5: Well, I want to put in a bill to audit. I want to audit the Anchorage School District. I mean, I I don't trust them at all. You know, I I just don't.
3: No, but see that. But they've got the ear of the news media. They got everything else. Well, it's for the children. And by the way, you know that BSA. It hasn't increased at all. Well, it's increased four percent. But that's not enough. And every yeah. But you act like the BSA is the only thing funding education. You read every news story in here, and hardly any of them mention the fact that the BSA is just a part. Of the funding, they don't talk about the millions of dollars on top of that. Sarah Montablano from the Alaska Policy Forum was on last Monday, and she said, "Yeah, here's the here's what it looks like. Since 2000 and uh, I think 2012, 35 percent increase in education funding. 35 percent. Yeah. Uh, and most of that is going to overheads and administration and everything else. We're still only getting." On
5: And the headcount, the student population is going down.
3: That's my favorite chart. Here's the spending on administration and the number of people in administration. And here's the number of school children and their inverse charts. And it just goes crazy, but that's all we hear. And that's what the news media is pushing. And and this is all about the big spend. So Tom, last minute and a half, what are we going to do?
5: Well, we're going to ask a lot of questions here. And I think that, I think that we're going to shine a light on some of these things and and get some attention on them. And I think that I think our House caucus will will hold together. I think we're going to be strong. And like we said at the outset, we'll uh, we'll I think we'll be able to block bad things from happening. Uh, But we're going to have to hold together. And, uh, you know, the Senate, uh, they've they've kind of already decided they didn't even have a debate. They just said, yep. For on day 1 they said yep we're going to increase the bsa and yep we're going to we're going to support hb22 and uh, they they didn't even debate it and and the minority in the senate does doesn't even exist you know there's right. only there's a big problem down here michael we have three we have a house minority and a house majority and a senate majority there's something missing there's no formal debate in the senate you see what I
3: mean? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, because they put the kids that hurt their feelings in the corner in a timeout. So they have well, no say in wrong. anything. You right. know,
5: everybody talks about democracy. We're supposed to have a debate. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no formal debate in the Senate.
3: Yeah. No, it's uh, it's 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 insane, Tom. It's literally at this point I look at yeah. this and I just go, this is such a poo parade. I don't even know where to go from here. Um, but hopefully with folks like you down there who are, uh, you know, who are, uh, uh, fighting back and pushing back, hopefully we can make some difference or at least stem the tide and hold, hold back the, uh, hold back the tide of war. That's all we can do. Uh, Tom, Michael,
5: thank you. I got to go to my meeting. Yep. Thanks very
3: much. I appreciate you coming on board, Tom McKay. Thank you for being part of the program today. And joining us uh, on the air uh, all right folks we are up against the break uh, one final time to uh, go and when we come back well I guess we'll I guess we'll just um, uh, I guess we'll just talk about it we'll just do this thing we'll do it the Michael Duke show common sense Liberty based free thinking radio like a share. like a share. Come on out join us on Facebook and more. We'll continue right after this.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Duke's On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: All right. In the break. In the break. Uh, all right, my friends. Uh, are you all ready? Are you all ready to do this thing? I'm. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready right now. Um let's uh well, I guess I I I didn't I didn't do the right thing here. Let me get the phone lines. Let me no, close that. Yes. Close that. Let me get the phone lines uh squared away here and uh we'll get we'll get started here. Uh we'll get the phone lines open just in case and uh, see what folks uh want to say. Um like that. There we go. Right there. Do we get it? Does it work? Is it happening? Thanks for calling the call in line of the Michael. Yep, that's the one right there. Okay. So we are all ready to go. And we're going to uh we're gonna we're gonna be be ready to take those phone calls. (sighs) Um yeah, Senate, yeah, Senate leadership said they were gonna do this right even before the new year. Absolutely. And why would there be a debate? says Chris. All the NEA senators already have marching orders. I mean, yeah. Um, the Anchorage School District approved the new NEA contract and thus caused part of the budget. The board is actually the NEA rep. <laughs> uh, oh man, and it's yeah. I mean, even even Harold is right. Huge teacher shortage. Most of the BSA will go to overhead. State law dictates that the districts must spend their appropriation. So without teachers to be hired, the money is going into a black that pretty much sums up the entire discussion right there that's the that's the whole shooting match my friends that's the ball game um all right uh oh my head is going to explode today after the whole debacle on the grand jury and now this um all right, I was going backwards, still reading some of this. Uh, by the way, the feds did away with a defined benefits program in 1987. Yes. Um, uh, okay. So PFDs will be confiscated to shore up a new defined benefits plan when we have a volunteer fire department in our area. I mean, Exactly. I mean, and again, they're not just talking about 23,000 state employees. Kiel's plan wants to put every government worker on the plan uh, outside of the federal government, right? Everyone who works for government, who doesn't work for the federal government, would be on this plan. 40,000 people. (sighs) My head is going to explode. Um. Um, A politedict doesn't believe that the uh, House majority is going to hold the line. He said the gaslighting that they will hold the line is disgusting. Alaska's only hope to survive the next two years is a governor that isn't afraid to use the red pen and enough of what McKay calls the minority voting no to override the governor's veto. But do you think that that, that, that Dunleavy even knows what a red pen looks like right now? I mean, you're not filling me with confidence. Oh, my God, my hair is on fire, says Bonnie. Yeah, yep, yep. Why am I frustrated and angry? Mm, yeah. Well, you're frustrated and angry because, you know, this is the same. Well, first of all, you're frustrated and angry. The only thing I can say is. Uh, Welcome to the party, pal. That's because, I mean, that. that's the whole thing. This is where I've been for 20 years, folks. I've been saying these same things. I'm a little tired. Saying these same things for over. Tw- Just say no to government dough. That's what. I mean, please. We have to stop being the welfare state for the government. But again, when both sides are are benefiting, when the actual liberal welfare support net side is benefiting and the corporate cronies on the right side are, are benefiting, the only ones, it's those of us in the middle that are getting squeezed on this. I mean, I don't know. Is the governor going to veto a defined benefits plan? Is he gonna is he gonna veto anything? Because Brad Keithley might be right. I mean, it looks kind of like, based on the fictional novel that that the governor wrote in his budget for the carbon credits and all this other kind of stuff, he's just and the full PFD at the same time. He is, uh, he you know he's 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 looking to four he's looking four years down the road. He wants to, you know, he wants to run for senate. He wants to. You know you could go from zero you could go from zero to hero if only you'd pick up the red pen and do what needed to be done but it takes a hero not a zero Alright, uh, welcome back to the program The Michael Duke Show continues One final segment for today I will say today was Well, first of all It was eye-opening and shocking Because I did not did not realize uh, Based on Ben Carpenter's Previous kind of brief On what was happening With the grand juries I didn't realize the depth And the scope of the problem Now I do And I'm so super concerned so that was the first one that was the first problem and then we get into with tom mckay and i'm just uh, you know i'm just reminded about how much of an actual actual poop parade this whole session is going to be i mean just a big hot brown mess but let me get your thoughts on today's program give us this is like the critique section at the end of the show what did you think of today's show <laughs> is there blood shooting out of your eyes somebody said earlier was it terry i don't know my hair's on fire that's what she said my hair is on fire i feel you on that i definitely feel you on that all right let's go over to the phones and see what folks have to say uh we'll start off uh, over here good morning caller who's this where are you calling from Let me try to put... Oh,
1: yes.
3: Good morning. Oh, um, I'm sorry, Bonnie. Hold on a second here. That was Bonnie from North Pole. I recognize the voice. Let me jump back over to her. Hello, Bonnie. <laughs> what's uh, what's what's on your mind this morning? <laughs> well,
1: well, my hair's on fire.
3: Your hair is on fire, yes. I mean, you feel blood <laughs> shooting out of your eyes. There's not enough duct tape in the room to stop it. Uh, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on everything you've heard yeah, this morning? So
1: it's very... It's very sad, very sad for Alaska. We're not allowed to do anything for our trees. Heaven forbid we should cut a tree. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And every a lot of lately I've been thinking about Joe Vogler and um, things he used, to, he used to speak about. Once the feds came in here, Alaska went to pits and that's what's going on now. Well, We're not going to be allowed to do anything.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. I mean, yeah, I mean, the everything went right in the dumper once the feds got involved. And I agree with you. Thank you, Bonnie, for your call. Uh, let's uh, continue over to the uh, phones here and see what, uh, see what the next caller has to say. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Muted.
2: Oh, good morning, Michael. This is Harold.
3: Hey, Harold, what's, uh, uh Hey, Harold, Hey, Harold, what's on your mind?
2: Yeah. Being the old school finance, man. Uh, you know, we used to calculate all this, the funds to all the schools years ago and went through the, uh, ref of the, uh, uh, formula. You got a bad echo. Uh, I'm sorry, Harold. Uh, go ahead now. Um, I don't know where they're going to spend this money. The districts are going to get uh, uh, quite a booty here. Um, they're having an issue as far as finding teachers in the first place. So, uh, you know, sitting, you being an old business manager for a school district, uh, we're, we were required to spend down the money that the uh, that was uh, was sent to the districts. So, if they're going to increase by a thousand dollars, these districts are, they're going to have a hard time finding where to put that money. And the only place that I can imagine, and, and, and based on state law, is that uh, they're probably going to increase salaries, which means uh, a permanent in- increase over the next several years of formula. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's where you are. The The, the bigger question is, is that the formula doesn't um, work right now. So... Uh, it doesn't make any sense to to, to throw money at a formula that, that isn't producing the educational outcomes that you want. Right, right. And you've talked about in the past,
3: I know you've talked about how the formula is heavily biased, not towards the classroom and the teachers, but it's heavily biased towards the infrastructure and the administration and the overhead and the ancillary uh, stuff, Right. Well,
2: well, yeah, let me tell you how it works. It, it, you're, you're going to go through this entire formula, and at the end, what you're simply going to do is you're going to cut a check to the districts, and that's it as far as the state. Any audits, any accountability is sitting in the back file um, at uh, 208th uh, at West in Juneau, and nobody looks at these things, okay? All they do is go through the, they go through it, and they make sure that the districts spend down um, the money the way the state statutes say it. The state statutes right now, all they do is cut a check. As long as they get to the cutting check part and send it out to the dis- to the districts, it's over as far as the state. So you're not going to get any improvement on, on educational outcomes simply by increasing the, the BSA. It's never made any sense in the past. It's, it doesn't make any sense now. And I wasn't
3: aware that there was a mandate that all appropriations must be spent. And like you said, if they don't have teachers available or they can't fill those positions... Then uh the money's got to go somewhere, so I guess we just fluff up the, pu- yeah, the salaries or we fluff up the administration or we add more buildings or we do something else with it
2: yeah you're 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 not allowed to have a giant you can't save your money year year over year over year when the state sends you uh, appropriations, you're required to spend that down as far as education so um i'm I kind of feel it for these business managers out there that are that' are, Probably scrambling around looking for some place to put all this, put all this new money that's coming into that's going to come into their coffers, and uh, you know I mean as far as the school boards, hey hire hire some more maintenance hire some more overhead because uh, um, as long as it's sitting in the in the in the budget it's fine with them and that means overhead you're yeah. not going to get any new teachers because there's no new teachers out there to be hired. Uh, there's a national teacher sh- shortage going on right now. Uh, so please explain to me what you're going to do with this extra thousand dollars to the bsa because it's not going into the classroom folks
3: right and you said the audits there are no real audits or they go into the back of a drawer and nobody reads them so what's the point what do you think? go ahead when you
2: when you have a bad formula if you're going to audit a bad formula a formula that doesn't produce your educational outcomes you're just going to get an audit that says yeah you're doing okay um so you need to actually reform how the state Distributes their money and the the accountability behind each each section, and I keep advocating. Unless you do a separate appropriation for classrooms, classrooms, teachers, and and a separate appropriation for overhead, you'll never, ever, ever improve education in this state. What do you What do you think about uh, the commentary
3: in the paper Justin Ruffridge just quoted uh, in the uh, in the House? Uh, as saying that they the House majority was interest, you know, was willing to talk about a BSA increase, but they were saying two hundred and fifty to seven hundred fifty dollars. And he went on to say any BSA increase that we're going to talk about in the House is going to be talked about along with accountability measures, as well as attaching it to potential targeted types of funding. Uh, talking about uh, scholastic uh, you know achievement goals and things like yeah, that
2: yeah we've heard that rhetoric we, yeah that's uh, it's called rhetoric it's called uh, <laughs> it's, it's called getting out of Juneau in April okay <laughs> that's what that is There's, and you, you're not going to improve education in this state unless you reform that formula so that the, so the legislature has a grip on what that money is used for if it's not used for education and teachers, it's used for overhead. It's yeah. used for, for 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 everything else outside of the classroom. Yeah. Unless you focus on the classroom, you're not going to improve anything in the in the education arena in the state.
3: All right, Harold, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. That was a good discussion, and I okay. uh, enjoyed it. Thanks for being part of the uh, show today. Uh, let's, All
0: participants uh, are muted. Oh,
3: I, partic- I muted everybody. Let's go over to the next call to see what they have to say. Uh, 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: This is April from North Pole.
3: Hello, April. What's on your mind?
1: Well, I was just calling about a few of the things that the last caller said. For example, um, one of the things that frustrates me is when people count um, only dollars going to the classroom. That the dollars going to the classroom go to the teacher salaries um, and what? Crayons? Because parents pay for the crayons. We get a huge list to bring in, pay for the crayons. But when he mentioned it's just going to go to some junk overhead, like janitors, um, in Fairbanks, we have one carpenter for 35 buildings. We have two electricians. The The maintenance and the so-called overhead in our district has been pared down so small that a teacher in the classroom can't even get a whiteboard hung because we need another um, maintenance person, because we need to take care of our building. There's not gonna be a classroom if we can't take care of our building. So it's very frustrating to see people talk about the only money that counts as worthy is basically teacher salaries, because there wouldn't be a building without maintenance. There wouldn't be resources without um, people to help the teachers get their paycheck.
3: April, you're gonna get it's the l- you're, yeah, you're gonna get the last word for today on that because we are out of time. Thank you for coming on board, folks. We are done for today. We'll see you tomorrow for Firearms Friday. And maybe Fairbanks is unique. I mean, I haven't been following the Fairbanks school board specifically. Maybe they're unique, but again. The latest numbers show, and this is what we went over with Sarah Montalbano on Monday. For every four teachers, there's five administrators uh, in the administrative side. Not to mention other things. Maybe some school districts are doing better. But overall, we're we're still not making it. A teacher can't hang a whiteboard. Yeah, I mean, I would think I would just bring in a screw gun and make it happen. Maybe I'm not allowed to. Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. Well, that does it for today. Can uh, I ask you if you like the show today? Would you go over and think about becoming a member of the Common Sense Corps? Three bucks a day. No, a month. One cup of coffee a month could get you into the core. I mean, if you really like me, a couple coffee coffees a month would help put food on the table and everything else. My friends, it's been great to have you on today. Frustrating, but great. We will return tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.